and we can say uh, in unison, if you know the mantra, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. And we have Raghunandan Prabhu here today. It was a little embarrassing for me because he knows the Shastra better than I do, that he's a student and I'm presenting. So, but, and he's, uh, he's here in the, um, actually in Virginia, but originally from South India. Okay. So we are, and we, uh, we are on text 43. Okay. <clears throat> All learned men say the five elements. Did we do this? No, I don't think we did this last time. Anyway, um, the five elements, earth, water, fire, air, ether. Those are the five elements. Eternal time, kala. Fruit of activity means karma. The three modes of material nature, goodness, passion, ignorance. And the varieties produced by these modes. So you look out the window and all those varieties are all creations of yoga maya. This material world is therefore extremely difficult to understand. But those who are highly learned have, uh, have rejected it. Let's, I mean, we're going to talk about that word rejected. May the Supreme Personality of God, who is the controller of everything, be pleased with us. So remember, this is Brahma continuing his prayers to Vishnu at the... Um, uh, the shore of the milk ocean, and they're just about to be finished, uh, the prayers, that is. Um, and he's talking about, you know, all different aspects of, of Lord Vishnu and how uh, they all culminate in, in him saying, <laughs> I offer my respects to you. So listen to this beginning of this purport. No one can understand how everything is happening in this material world by the arrangement of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, uh, through his material energies, right? Do we, do we, you know, the sun is coming up every day, the four seasons are there, the, you know, all the different things that happen. As the direction of the Supreme, uh, as stated in Bhagavad Gita, maya dakshena prakriti suyate sacharacharam, everything is actually happening under the direction of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. This, this much we can learn but how it is happening is extremely difficult to understand. So, okay, it's all happening under his direction and it's very difficult to understand. We cannot even understand how the affairs within our body are systematically taking place. The body is a small universe. And since we cannot understand how things are happening in this small universe, how can we understand the affairs of the bigger universe, right? So we have, you know, things, I mean, yeah, like for, for the average lay person or person who's not in the medical profession or, you know, um, we don't exactly know the whole thing about how our food gets digested in the morning, right? Or how the blood is flowing and the heart is pumping and, and all that. We do know um, a lot in terms of modern science, but even then there's, there's new things that are learned all the time, right? So even this little, I, I thought that was really cool how this body is a kind of universe, right? And then there's other universes expanding um, yeah, into the, um, what do they say for maternity, eternity and beyond? What is that stuff on the movies? 
anyway. <laughs> okay, so actually, to, to infinity been, and beyond. Infinity and beyond. Thank you. Is that Jen? Thank you, Jen. Which movie is that from? Oh, it's from uh, Toy Story. Toy Story. Yes, I knew. <laughs> Very good. Very important. You can't go back to Goddard unless you know movie references. Um, Actually, this universe is very difficult to understand, yet learned sages have advised, as Krishna has advised, that this material world is Dukalayam Ashashutam, I believe, um, which means, in other words, it is a place of misery and temporality. We must give up this world and go back home, back to the personality of Godhead. Materialists may argue, if this material world and its affairs are impossible to understand, how can we reject it? The answer is provided by the word, this is a long word, huh? Prabhudha, Prabhadham, 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 long A. We have to reject this material world because it is rejected by those who are learned in Vedic wisdom. Even though we cannot understand what this material world is, we should be ready to reject it in accordance with the advice of learned persons, especially advice of Krishna. Um, Okay, well, there's a lot there. We're going to go back to that. Don't worry, because it's interesting, but I'll just finish this. Then Prabhupada quotes uh, the eighth chapter, verse 15. Um, After attaining me, the great souls who are yogis in devotion never return to this temporary world, which is full of miseries because they have attained the highest perfection. One has to return home back to Godhead, for this is the highest perfection of life. To go back to Godhead means to reject this material world. Although we cannot understand the functions of this material world and whether it is good for us or bad for us, in accordance with the advice of the Supreme Authority, we must reject it and go back home, back to Godhead. So there's a lot here that we need to discuss a little bit. Um, let me just, I think I have some notes on this also that I want to refer to. So, um, so Prabhupada is quoting Krishna, who's saying that it's a place of uh, misery and temporality. I love that, temporality. And I think we spoke about this both last week in our class and also with the Wisdom of the Sages class. Um, how important that is in terms of, uh, we talked about uh, theodicy, right? The study of uh, why is there evil in the world, right? And and, and one of the, the challenges is um, if you think that basically the world is here um, and that things should run well and it is a place, you know, that to find, to seek happiness, then the study of evil is like, really, like, how does that happen? Um, and I think you remember I said how in my profession, in conflict resolution, one of the biggest causes of conflict is unclear expectations. But Krishna is really making the expectations that we should have for this world very clear throughout the Bhagavad Gita. Right? Dukalayam asashvatam, anityam asukam loka, that there's miseries and that it's temporary. So even if you have this amazing life, and, you know, uh, it's still temporary. Even if you have like the greatest partner in the world and the most wonderful children and everything, unfortunately, we have to leave them one day. And that's very painful to, to, to the body and to the, the, the heart. So Krishna's making the expectations of this world really clear so that, you know, we, so theodicy becomes a lot easier to study then because he's, he's, you know, as we quoted Lynn Anderson last week, I beg your pardon, I never promised you a rose garden. Krishna's saying that. 
right? So that's that's one thing. And but I think a really important thing to clarify here and discuss, then I'll take comments, is this word reject. <clears throat> because you might say, well, I don't think devotees reject this world. And that's true. What we um, you know, thinking about all the other references in the in the scriptures about this point is we reject this world as a place to find permanent happiness. But we see that it's coming from Krishna. And therefore, if we're God's servant, and this is coming from God, we try to use whatever is in this world, instead of rejecting it, use it in God's service. Right? I think you remember the example we gave of the wallet. You find a wallet on the ground. One person grabs all the money, maybe a few credit cards, and you know maybe throws the rest in the garbage or in a in a um, mailbox, right? <clears throat> uh, another person says, "Oh, you know, it's not my problem," and just leaves it there on the ground. And then the third person picks up the wallet, finds out the person's name, goes on the internet, finds their phone number, calls them up, and says, "I have your wallet." How can I get it back to you? Right. So um, that's compared to most most people in this world think this world is for our enjoyment, and therefore, you know, that's compared to taking the money and keeping it for yourself. And then the antithesis of that, or the impersonal approach, is I just reject this world because there really isn't happiness. But then the synthesis is I I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. I use the world in God's service because it's from him. So that's, so the rejecting is, has to be in context that we're not rejecting, you know, we're not rejecting friendships, right? We're not rejecting good food, right, Shanaz? <laughs> she's uh, she's a, not a cook, she's a chef. Um, we're not rejecting um, intellectual pursuits, right? We have uh, Raghunandan who here are intellectual and Mun and others. Uh, we're not rejecting, you know, um, coming from a famous family like Henry or whatever, right? But we're using those things in Krishna's service. So I just wanted to clarify that. Otherwise, that word reject, reject the material, it sounds harsh and it doesn't sound like other things that we've heard about in, in, in our Krishna conscious philosophy. Um, and still, one of the goals of life is to get out of the wheel of samsara birth, death, disease, old age, then another body, birth, death, disease, old age, and go to that place which is uh, uh, sat, chit, ananda. Uh, sat, eternal, chit, full of knowledge. Ananda means full of bliss, happiness. Okay, some thoughts, questions, comments from y'all. Hare Krishna Prabhu. Yes, Ananda Rupa. So I'm uh, reminded Prabhupada would say, if you can use everything in service of Krishna, no need of rejecting. I mean, that is the way, um, uh, ideally, we should understand. Uh, initially, when we read these uh, purports and messages, you know, about renunciation and rejecting, we tend to think that, uh, you know, we get confused how we should reject things or how we should practice renunciation. And... Um, and when we study other books, we get a better understanding that uh, since everything is in creation of Krishna, literally everything can be used in service of Krishna. And 
more clarification is given by six principles uh, by um, our spiritual teacher, Srila Rupa Goswami. Um, the principles which help us advance in spiritual advance, uh, help us advance spiritually, uh, which have to do with our attitude, our practices, and things we should avoid or reject, which could be potential impediments in spiritual life. So um, I think if you could share a little bit about that, uh, many of us can benefit from it. A little bit about what? Um, in uh, the talking about the topic of rejection, uh-huh. rejecting things of this material world, what exactly we should understand from it, what is to be rejected or what is to be dovetailed in service? Uh, yes. Okay. Well, um, there's things that are favorable to bhakti and things that are unfavorable to bhakti. Of course, you know, we know being greedy, being, uh, you know, exploitive of others, um, being, ang- you know, angry. I, I think all the, all the people on this call probably have the experience and almost know within ourselves when we're doing things that aren't really helping our bhakti, <laughs> right? <laughs> and there may be, for each one of us um, on the call and all those listening to the recording, you know, that may be very individual for us, but, you know, what, what is, you know, one, we all may have our different uh, flavor of Maya, so to speak, of, uh, of being in touch with the illusory energy. And just um, hearing, getting, um, I was listening to a class today, Henry and I were listening to a class today, um, and they were saying that the key to spiritual advancement is sadhu sangha, is the association of uh, devotees. Um, and then in that association, we learn things and we get inspiration to do our spiritual practices, our sadhana. Um, the, the inspiration for that comes from uh, sadhu sangha, from association with devotees. And uh, by that association also usually becomes clear of what we should avoid. Now in the... Um, in Rupa Goswami's writing, he's, you know, there's six things that he says to avoid, right? Atyahara, uh, overeating or over-endeavoring for material things. Prayasas means also that they're connected. Uh, Prajalpa, just always talking about mundane things and not talking about Krishna. Uh, Niyamagraha is this very interesting thing that we've talked about. It's, it's, um, and this was on the wisdom of the sages recently, when you're kind of religious, but not spiritual, right? You're going through the rituals, but I'm, and you think, oh, if I do the rituals right, then it's all good, but your heart's somewhere else. You're, you may even be thinking about the Super Bowl tonight rather than, you know, the, uh, the, uh, you know, the chanting you're doing or the whatever, right? <laughs> um, or the other side of Niyamagarha, it's like, it's a coin with two sides, is just rejecting all practices and saying, yeah, yeah, that's what we used to say. I'm from New York. Eh. Um, <clears throat> Prajalpa Niyamagraha. What, what is it? Uh, Jana Sangas. Uh, hanging out with people who just like take, take us down spiritually. Right? Jana Sangas, Chalilyamcha, and being greedy. Yeah. Sadbir, Bhaktir, Finashati. These, these six, Finashati, they hurt one's Bhakti. Thank you for that question, Nandarupa. 
Other thoughts, comments? Um, last week there was a term anger iceberg. I wrote down in my notes. Did you, you was that your term? What does that mean? The anger iceberg. Um, uh, so if you imagine an iceberg, right, you see what's above and what's uh, below, uh, and you don't see what's below, right? Um, <clears throat> so anger is generally, we talked about anger being generally a secondary emotion, that there's usually something that precedes it. Uh, this, this Krishna says in the second chapter of the Gita in verses 62 and 63, or, or is it 63 and 64, one of those. Dhyayato uh, vishaya pungsang sangas teshu bijayate sanga sanjayate kama kama krodho bijayate that when when our material desires the word is lust but it doesn't mean just sexual but just the uh, lust to enjoy this world is unfulfilled then we often become angry so and we gave the example um, you know somebody cuts you off in traffic and at first there's fear. And then a second or two later, then you're angry and you say choice words at the person, right? Or, and the other example I gave, the same example, uh, your child, uh, your teenager comes back at one in the morning and they said they were going to be back at 10. And so there's the first, the first emotion is relief. Then again, five seconds later, it's anger and, you know, they're grounded for three months or whatever. <laughs> um, so that's the sense that, so anger is, un, um, yeah. Other points on this? Okay. Then we're going up to 48, I believe. So the, Brahma is continuing his prayers. Let us, did someone say, want to say something? Oh. Uh, let us offer our respectful obeisances unto the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is completely silent, free from endeavor, and completely satisfied by his own achievements. He is not attached to the activities in the material world through his senses. Indeed, in performing his pastimes in this material world, he is just like the unattached air. Um, that, that's to explain that metaphor, the unattached air. It's a little tricky. We talked about this briefly in the Wisdom of the Sages talk yesterday that um, there's, there's fi uh, five gross elements, right? Earth, water, fire, air and then ether. Um, Raghunanda Prabhu, do you want to explain the difference between uh, air and ether? Uh, do you have a good grasp of that? I can make an item, Prabhu. Okay, thank you. Um, ether is space, and so air moves through the space. Perfect, actually, that, that's, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, and air is not, um, affected by the, I mean, space is not affected by the air, right? Ether is more subtle as sound travels through the ether, yes. So this is really important uh, when we under, trying to understand Krishna, that, because we heard in the verse we just heard, maya dakshena prakriti suyate sacharacharam, that, that literally maya dakshena means under my eyes, right? so that the world is running uh, under the eyes of Krishna. But <clears throat> that doesn't mean, uh, basically what Krishna does is he sets up the material world and puts demigods and, and other, you know, 
lower beings in charge, and it and he's neutral to the world, right? So you can't like blame God, you know, for this or that because Krishna is just, you know, he's dancing. That's his main activity, <laughs> and having loving exchanges with his devotees, and therefore he says, uh, in, uh, "Was that seven fourteen? Is it Samoham Sarvabhuteshu Namedveshosi Napriya?" He says. Samoham, he says, aham, sama, I'm equal to everyone. No one is dvesha or priya. No one's, I don't play favorites. Hmm? But then he says, ye bhajanti tumam bhaktiya, mai te teshu chapiham. But if you approach me with bhakti, then I, I can't maintain my neutrality. <laughs> I'm, I'm your, you know, I become the, uh, Devotee of my devotees. So again, this, this touches upon the theodicy uh, concern um, <clears throat> that it's it's not it, Krishna that creates the all the um, the terrible things that happen in this world. Matter of fact, he says it's going to happen. Right, but by our activities, by our karma, these things happen. We can get into more detail about that, but I just wanted to. Uh, mention that because it kind of comes up in the last verse and then in this one. 45, O Supreme Personality of Godhead, we surrender unto you, yet we wish to see you. Please make your original form and smiling lotus face visible to our eyes and appreciable to our other senses. Um, and this, this is going to come up in a verse in the next chapter, so I won't mention it here. But please note the word please. He's not demanding. He's saying, please make your original form visible. 46, O Lord, O Supreme Personality of Godhead, by your sweet will you appear in various incarnations, millennium after millennium, and act wonderfully, performing uncommon activities that would be impossible for us. And yes, there's so many amazing things that Krishna does. And it's said that there's as many incarnations as there are waves in an ocean. There's a lot. That's a lot, right? <laughs> uh, and and they they perform uncommon tasks, just like we were reading, uh, hearing in wisdom of the sages about the about Lord Shiva and the Daksha Yagya and all the amazing things that happen. It's just like wow, what a story, you know. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and then in forty seven, karmis are always anxious to accumulate wealth for their sense gratification. The word karmi means um, that one who is after fruit of activities. So uh, after karma enjoyment in this world, but for the purpose, but for that purpose, they must work very hard. Um, yet, even though they work hard, the results are not satisfying. Indeed, sometimes their work results only in frustration, but devotees who have dedicated their lives to the service of the Lord can achieve substantial results without working very hard. These results exceed the devotee's expectations. And Krishna says in the Gita in 9.22, uh, Yoga Shemam Bahamyaham, that for one who is devoted to him, I preserve what you have, I carry what you lack. That should be inspiring. And uh, at least for uh, Dana, Shanaz, and Jennifer, this is something we're talking about in our little email exchange right now. Um, about this, but Krishna actually says, I preserve what you have, I carry what you lack.
And that's primarily spiritual, but it can also be in this realm. And 48, activities dedicated to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, even if performed in small measure, never go in vain. The Supreme Personality of Godhead being the Supreme Father is naturally very dear and always ready to act for the good of the living entities. And in the first sent two sentences, first, first sentence, in Bhagavad Gita, the Lord says, Swapam apyasya dharmasya trayate mahato bayat. This dharma, devotional service, is so important that even if performed to a very small, almost negligible extent, it can give one the supreme result. So, and then Prabhupada goes on to talk about uh, Ajamila. So Ajamila, this is in the sixth canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam. He was a good Brahmana growing up, but then he, uh, he became, he lost, uh, he, he lost sight of, of uh, his early life. And he um, um, got attached to a woman who was actually in the prostitute profession. He married her. He had so many, he even had a child when he was 80 years old. Um, and, but he did one in, interesting thing. He named his, that child uh, after Krishna, a name for Krishna, Narayana. And by doing that, all the time he was chanting Krishna's name. He said, Narayana, you're so cute. Narayana, come and play. Narayana, Narayana. He was saying Narayana all the time. And as he was dying, he called out Narayan to his son. He didn't even mean Krishna, but to his son. And um, in, in all of his, all of the karma from his bad activities, because he had to steal and do all kinds of terrible things to maintain his family, that was all uh, by, by Krishna's kindness wiped out, you know, the reaction to that by his uh, devotion, even though he didn't even like totally mean it. It just shows you the power of bhakti or, or Prahlad Maharaj and, and, um, and Lord Nishingadev in his previous life, because Prahlad, um, if you read the Srimad Bhagavatam, really the seventh canto, which tells the story of Prahlad Maharaj is the first time we see the, a perfect example of pure bhakti. Every, all, I mean, there was many great devotees before the seventh canto, but they, they became and they had some tinges in the beginning, like Dhruva Maharaj, etc. But Prahlad was just, this young five-year-old boy was just a pure devotee. But what did he do in his last life? Um, to deserve that, he, it's wild. He got in a fight with his girlfriend. And um, because of that, he, he was so distraught that he fasted all day, all night and performed that austerity. And it happened to be that that was the appearance day, Nishinga Chaturdasi of Lord Nishingadev. And so just by chance, you know, doing that little service of performing some austerity on that auspicious day. <laughs> so, you know, so Prabhupada is not joking here when he, he uses a very small, almost light, negligible extent. Now, that doesn't mean we should say, well, gosh, I've chanted so many times. I took so much prasadam. I, I can, I can, I'm on cruise control now. I'll be prolonged in my next life. No, you know, 
uh, that that's not that is not the mood of a devotee. Um, yet it can be inspiring to know that um, that Krishna doesn't forget even the small things that we do to try to um, serve him and please him. So that that's the real purpose. So it should be inspiration that. Um, you know, it's it's so nice if 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 um, if you did a favor for somebody and years later they remember that, right? And they maybe try to reciprocate with that, or vice versa. You know, it's such a sweet exchange, and Krishna never forgets any uh, service that we do for him, even in the smallest way. So, some thoughts on that, and welcome. Uh, Saradiya and Nandamuki. So now we have someone who speaks Portuguese and someone who speaks Mandarin. Good. What you guys all took a chill pill? Like no questions, no comments today. <laughs> I like it that you called her a, a woman that happened to be a prostitute. You're not actually going to just call her a prostitute. That's very gentle. <laughs> Thank you, Henry. <laughs> oh, is this? I thought it was uh, interesting. What's that, Prabhu? Uh, since you bring up Ajamila again. Yes, Andy, go ahead. He was actually degenerate at that time for people that we covered this, right? And I think you would agree. He was not just like erring. He was degenerate. Yeah. And uh, But there, when he cried out his, his son's name, it was with a very honest, open heart. And I think... My opinion is that that really moved Krishna because he he was crying out for help, and he had uh, done devotional service in the past. So then Krishna actually personally sent his bodyguards right over to prevent him from being arrested by uh, Yamaraj. Yeah, Yamaraj. Yeah. So yeah. that's a big, and it was because the leverage of that he was crying out for help. And the word he used when he cried out was uh, Krishna's name. So uh, it was very, it's interesting because it's very short-term karma. We think of karma as just like this big wave from the past, right? But this was karma from when he was uh, in his lifespan. Yeah, He had done lifespan. service and named his child Narayana, and that was enough leverage. So it, I don't think you can rely on getting that kind of leverage, from, but he got it because of a combination of factors. I liked what you said. Yeah, rely. Yeah, it's yeah because it's not the mood of a devotee. That, oh well, I'm not, I don't need to do much more devotional service because I, you know, it's all good. Our mood is no. I'm a servant. I want to serve. I want to please Krishna. I want to continually please him. I don't, you know. But yet, it's it can be. It is inspiring, isn't it? That um, yeah, and it's also nice. So that means when you share Krishna consciousness with others, even just a little bit, they benefit in, in, immensely. In the same way, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's just it's just nice, you know, um, <clears throat> to think of anyone who who is grateful and doesn't forget any, you know, even a little thing you've done for them, and what to speak if they happen to be God, <laughs> just happen to be. <laughs> How uh, extra nice that is, <laughs> so to speak. Okay, well, then we will uh, sally forth if there's nothing else. 
Okay, so 49, we're going to the end of the chapter and then we're starting the next chapter. When one pours water on the root of a tree, the trunk and branches of the tree are automatically pleased. Similarly, when one becomes a devotee of Lord Vishnu or Krishna, everyone is served for the Lord is the super soul of everyone. This also comes up in the fourth canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam, a very famous verse um, that is quoted actually here in the purport, 431.14. It's such a, uh, we we were talking in our little Gita class that we have with uh, some of the devotees on this call on Fridays. Um, There's so many beautiful um, metaphors. I'm not sure, sometimes I get mistaken confused between metaphors and similes and analogies if anyone wants to define those please help me but um whatever they are you know this idea of just uh pouring water on the root and all the leaves are automatically benefited and and how kind of silly it is to try to water each leaf (laughs) or water a branch right um and so by our connecting with krishna um, we actually benefit society or connecting with God. 40, oh no, 50. <clears throat> My Lord, all obeisances unto you who are eternal beyond time's limits of past, present, and future. You are inconceivable in your activities. You are the master of the three modes of material nature. And being transcendental to all material qualities, you are free from material contamination. You are the controller of all three of the modes of nature, but at the present you are favor you are in favor of the quality of goodness. The demigods are generally in the mode of goodness, and Brahma is a demigod. Let us offer our respectful obeisances unto you. And that is the end of the chapter. And so the next chapter, chapter six, is entitled The Demigods and Demons Declare a Truce. And we are starting with verse number eight, actually, okay. Ready? Anything before we begin? Got your seatbelts on for the next chapter? Okay. <clears throat> so Brahma finished his prayers, right? And he's accompanied by all the demigods who are in anxiety because they the, the demons are getting the upper hand on them and uh, they also have been cursed recently, right? So now Sukadeva Swami is talking to Maharaj Prikshit and he says, O Maharaj, O King Prikshit, he's relating this story. The Supreme Personality of Godhead, Hari, being one name for Krishna, being thus worshipped with prayers by the demigods and Lord Brahma, appeared before them. His bodily effulgence resembled the spontaneous risings of thousands of suns. Now, try, you know, try to picture that, right? Um, especially, let's see, for... Dana's in Florida, and maybe it's a warm day today. Today, Shana's in Texas, or yeah, <laughs> Toto Toto. Uh, anyway, you can imagine one sun, how hot it can be. Let's say even in the in most places where you are in the summer, um, imagine three, imagine a hundred, <laughs> imagine a thousand. So. The comparison here is uh, that his effulgence, they didn't say the heat, but his effulgence was like the risings of thousands of suns. The vision of all the demigods was blocked by the Lord's effulgence. Thus they could not, they could see neither the sky, the direction, the land, 
nor even themselves, what to speak of seeing the Lord who was present before them. And, you know, we, we have a small experience of this. Um, <clears throat> if you're on, on the highway, either at sunrise or sunset, you know, sunrise and you're driving east or sunset and you're driving west, you know, you, you know, have to put the visor down. Sometimes you have to hold your hand up like this, you know. Um, so again, what to speak of this situation here. Matter of fact, so many car accidents are caused during that time when the, the sun is on the horizon. Okay, next. Lord Brahma, along with Lord Shiva, saw the crystal clear personal beauty. So they could see personal clear, crystal clear personal beauty of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, whose blackish body resembles a marakata gem, whose eyes are reddish like the depth of a lotus, who is dressed with garments that are yellow like molten gold, and whose entire body is attractively decorated. They saw his beautiful, smiling, lotus-like face crowned by a helmet bedecked with valuable jewels. The Lord has attractive eyebrows and his cheeks are adorned with earrings. Lord Brahma and Lord Shiva saw the belt on the Lord's waist, the bangles on his arms, the necklace on his chest, and the ankle bells on his legs. The Lord is bedecked with flower garlands. His neck is decorated with a koshtuba gem, and, is, and he carries with him the goddess of fortune and his personal weapons like the disc and club. And Lord Brahma, along with Lord Shiva and the other demigods, thus saw the form of the Lord. They all immediately fell to the ground, offering their obeisances. Then text eight, now Lord Brahma is speaking. Although you are never born, a little bit more prayer, your appearance and disappearance as an incarnation never cease. You are always free from the material qualities and you are the shelter of transcendental bliss resembling an ocean. Eternally existing in your transcendental form, you are the supreme subtle of the most extremely subtle. So the subtle of the subtle. <laughs> we therefore offer respectful obeisances unto you, the supreme, whose existence is inconceivable. Isn't that kind of beautiful? So things that are subtle are very nice. If, if, if a joke is subtle, it's very nice. If a painting has some subtleties in it, right? If, uh, and Krishna's the subtle of the subtle. Right, I, uh, I'll say this one for, for Henry's pleasure and, and, and Shana's particularly. I think I've mentioned this before, but um, eating Jamuna Devi's cooking, she was this amazing devotee of Lord Krishna, just pure devotee, absolute pure devotee of Lord Krishna. And Srila Prabhupada personally taught her how to cook. And the, the few times that I was fortunate enough to eat her cook, Henry ate it for month, years. Um, but and I could just say one word that it transcendentally subtle. It, it was never, you know, something even you, know, you eat something that's really heavy or something, but you know, it felt like it was digested before it reached my stomach. <laughs> and it was, and just the, all the different flavors and the nuances. So subtlety is a very beautiful thing. And Krishna is the subtlety within the subtle. And that Yamuna Prashad was so full of love. Yeah. Right, right. So at that time, Henry had a very big house and uh, Jamuna and uh, Dina Tarani, her best friend, um, had one wing of the house. Henry gave them one wing of his house and they stayed there for a number of years while she was preparing the cookbook, Lord Krishna's Cuisine. So Henry got the test. What's that, Henry? It wasn't Lord Krishna's. Lord Krishna's Cuisine was already 
the oh. most famous cookbook in the world. It was her second, it was her, actually her third cookbook that she was working on at my house. Oh, okay, thank you for that clarification. All right, so we'll read a little bit from the purport. Um, because this is important to understand, and I've been meditating on this last couple of days. The Supreme Personality of God does not appear because he is forced to do so by karma, like ordinary living entities who are forced to accept a certain type of body. It is to be understood that the Lord's body and activities are all transcendental, being freed from the contamination of the material modes of nature. So I was thinking about this. It, it, you know, we... we I think I've read that, you know, sentences like that, you know, a hundred times, and it probably, you know, went in one ear and out the other. But uh, I was thinking about this last few days. I didn't, you know, get this choice to be born in Long Island, to have a big nose, to, you know, whatever, uh, to have this social economic background that I came from, or it was just like, no, this is what you get. Good bargain, bad bargain, you, you know, to be you're a male or a female. Did, did anyone write a letter, you know, to God saying, you know, um, I want to be born in this family and, you know, this heritage and, you know, right? We, we really didn't have a choice. And we get this covering, which is not us. We are the soul within an eternal loving relationship with God, with Krishna. And we get this due to our desire. Now, it's not that, yeah, we, it's true that we didn't put in an order for this, but in one sense we did by our activities in previous lives, right, our karma. But we, are, but we don't have a choice. We don't say, no, no, Krishna, uh, no, 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 not New York, not New York, no, Argentina, please, you know, or whatever, right, or Hawaii, come on, <laughs> give me a break. Right. Well, okay. At least it's a human being this time. Thanks a lot. You know, thanks. For, you know, we didn't have a choice. We literally, and I think that's an interesting meditation. And, and because, because we don't think about it much, we don't think about how special it is that Krishna isn't forced, right? He's free from that, that force. And, and we also don't think so often about how, controlled we are by the one of the by the three modes of material nature unless we're transcendental by krishna consciousness right and then we get angry and that's the mode of ignorance we we get really you know um hungry for enjoying this world and that's mode of passion or you know whatever it, it, but it's very much they control us and then because we don't think about that soft we don't think about the other part of this sentence Krishna is the controller of the modes of material nature, and he's not under their control. So it's, that's very significant. He's not forced to take a material body like us. He's not controlled by the modes of material nature. So somehow that, that, um, that struck me um, this week that, uh, yeah, I just got this thing. And, you know, I'm 63 years old, so let's say, Let's say I live to the ripe old age of 83. I only have this thing for the next 20 years. It's not a, a long-term thing. And so, and how much of my false ego is invested in this? <clears throat> that doesn't mean we, you know, we, you know, we're gonna change 
some things that are connected to this body in this life. You know, like I, I often say that, uh, uh, there, I don't know if you, um, Shanaz, are you familiar with Loki, the vegetable Loki? Now, how would you, uh, um, uh, any, uh, uh, Shishul or uh, Ananda Rupa or Raghunath, how would you describe Loki? I'm going like this because they can be very big. Anyone? What is it? Is it like a celery or a, a vegetable or what is it? No, well, let's see. Ananda Rupa is a great cook, so maybe she'll tell us. You're on mute, Ananda Rupa. You can compare it to squash. Like, yeah, like a squash. Oh, yeah, man, right? Yeah. Is that right, Ananda Rupa? Squash? Yes, it's a squash, only that it is uh, more dense than the squash, and not many people like to have it, but it's super healthy. It's super healthy, and it can be about this big sometimes, right? You can get them. Yeah, very big, small, big. Yeah. I, I don't like I don't like Loki, and I probably won't like it in the rest of this lifetime. <laughs> That's my karma, right? Uh, or, or you know, I have a, a New Yorkish kind of sense of humor, or even or not so much of an accent. I lost that by being away for the last fifty years. But you know, so there's certain things that we still are. It's called parabda karma, our present kind of karma. Um, but even then, we try not, you know, when we think about that as just such a temporary thing and a covering for who we really are, um, we don't just try to uh, negate, negate, negate that, that identification, but rather we try to identify more and more and more as a servant of Krishna's. And then all, and then everything else falls into place, basically, you know, so... So Krishna consciousness is much less about negating and no, you can't do this. And no, you can't think that. It's much more about the positive and focusing on, on all the things we can do and using our senses in the servant, uh, as a servant of God. So any, any thoughts, questions about the, the control of three modes, material nature, or um, uh, the other point about um, being forced by our karma to accept a certain type of body? Uh, Prabhu, I had one thought. Uh, yes. It's to do with the description of the Supreme Lord. So it goes way, all the way back to Canto 1 when Queen Kunti is praying. And same prayers, like the, the description of the Supreme Lord is almost consistent. Mm -hmm. Like how he is darkish colors, how he is very effulgent, like thousands of sons together and wearing a, a flower garlands and having the Kaustubha jewel, uh, these three Vatsamarg, uh, even to the extent of wearing his crown and all the other ornaments and paraphernalia. It's consistent all the way through whenever these personalities are seeing and describing the Supreme Lord. How nice. How nice. Thank you for that. Yeah. And again, for those who are wisdom of the sages, so you didn't know Koshtuba Prabhu was named after a gem. Yeah. And he is a gem of a person. So that works out well. <laughs> he really is. For those of us who know Koshtuba, wonderful devotee. Okay. Other thoughts on this? Andy, you, you, you're, you're usually, you know, have a hundred things to say. No, I'm just. That's, that's true. It's because I'm so ignorant. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking about these descriptions, Lord Krishna. I don't want to take anything from Raghunanda, but I think, like Prabhupada says, to be understood, but that's not the same as knowing. So I was thinking it's like uh, when you're a little kid, your mother always tells you the stove is hot. 
don't ever touch a stove. It's very hot. It's going to burn you. And you say, okay, I understand that, right? But you don't really know it, right? And then one time you're roughhousing in the kitchen with your brother and your mother is just taking a hot pot off the stove. You put your hand on it, you get burned pretty badly. Then you know, then you know, K-N-O-W, what, that's, what that means, okay? So I think even though you're advised that Krishna looks like this, if you think you know about Krishna, I don't, but <laughs> people do, and then they become saints. Like Prabhupada knew in some way, right? We don't know what he saw inside, but he right. knew. So just because you're informed of these things, they keep telling you, but it's not the same as really knowing. That's what I was I thinking. I don't think yeah. you're contract, uh, contradicting Raghunandan Prabhu at all. I think you're adding to it. It's, it's in Sanskrit, it's the difference between Gyan and Vigyan. Gyan means uh, theoretical knowledge and Vigyan means realized knowledge. But I also think it's not a, um, it's not a light switch. <laughs> It's a dimmer. You know, in other words, it's a spectrum, right? From uh, Krishna reveals little parts of, not, you know, and, and more and more as we make advancement in Krishna consciousness. But uh, thank you for that. Now, it's interesting because there's so much, it's amazing how much, you know, I just, we learn from Prabhupada over the course of a lifetime. So on, um, in terms of this world, he would say that the best way to learn something is by hearing about it, right? Like this, like, like just a perfect example that uh, the example you gave that you heard that you touched the stove, you're going to get burned, right? Uh, but some people are not as, anyway, the next, the next level down is that you have to experience it first to believe it. But some, but at least for this world. But you're right about the spiritual world, uh, spiritual things. In, in the uh, ninth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, verse number two, it says pratyaksha, that um, you get direct perception of the self by realization. And then when you have that experience of Krishna, um, it, it goes back to the whole thing I was saying two minutes ago about how we're not so interested in rejecting things we're interested in accepting the um the beauty and the loving and the bhakti of krishna and when you experience that and we talked about this also um in the gita class the other day jenny uh you get the, in verse 59 of chapter two param dristva you get the higher taste and then it's easy to give up just like for myself you know i i obviously well not obviously but i grew up in just a, you know, family that, you know, we ate meat and stuff because that was what was on the plate. But the easiest thing by far about being a devotee was to be a vegetarian or a prashadam. It was like, it was a total no-brainer because the, the prashadam was so wonderful. There were so many varieties of, you know, I had never had a gulab jamun or a samosa or all these amazing things, you know, before. Um, coming to Krishna conscious. So it was, it was, I never thought for a second about going back to previous diet ever last 45 years, not even, never even crossed my mind because, um, you know, Prasadam is so nice. So thank you. Thank you for that, Andy. Thank you for bringing that up. And there is also one more qualifier to that. It's boils down to the difference between information and spiritual sound vibration. 
because spiritual sound vibration carries not only information but also much more than yes. information that's nice yeah so so now raghunandan just came gave us like you know the uh um hegel's you know synthesis because what's really interesting andy is that yes when we read this it is theoretical to some extent right or a large extent but the reading of it in and of itself is purifying and bringing us a little bit closer to the realization so thank you for that anything else okay then we will uh carry on uh, and we're going up to verse number 12. Okay, so verse number nine. <clears throat> oh, best of persons, so Lord Brahma is continuing. Oh, supreme director, those who are actually who actually aspire for supreme good fortune, worship the form of your lordship according to the Vedic tantras. Um, in this sense, the word tantra is um, um, different uh it means books like the uh, like a book written by narada muni called the narada pancharatra um not like black black arts and black tantra and things like that that we may have be familiar with my lord we can see all the three worlds in you text 10 my dear lord who are always fully independent this entire cosmic manifestation arises from you rests upon you and ends in you your lordship is the beginning, sustenance, and end of everything, like the earth, which is the cause of an earthen pot, which supports the pot, and to which the pot, when broken, finally returns. Now, how do you like that for an analogy? Krishna is the beginning, middle, of end of everything, just like the earth, which is the cause of an earthen pot, which supports the pot, and to which the pot, when broken, finally returns meaning to earth <laughs> so the beginning middle and end very amazing oh supreme you are independent in yourself and do not take help from others through your own potency you create this cosmic manifestation and enter into it those who are advanced in krishna consciousness who are fully in knowledge of the authoritative shastra and who through the practice of bhakti yoga are cleansed of all material contamination can see with clear minds that although you exist within the transformations of the material qualities, your presence is untouched by these qualities. Now we could you know, spend hours on each of these translations, but we're gonna sally forth to verse 12. As one can derive fire from wood, milk from the milk bag of the cow, food grains and water from the land and prosperity in one's livelihood from industrial enterprises, so by the practice of bhakti yoga, even within this material world, one can achieve your favor or intelligently approach you. Those who are pious all affirm this. <coughs> so reading a little bit from the purport, about four sentences down. A devotee, however, can see the Supreme Personality of Godhead through the practice of bhakti yoga. One ordinary, now listen to this, one ordinarily does not begin to practice bhakti yoga unless he has practiced it in previous births. However, one can begin bhakti yoga only by the mercy of the spiritual master in Krishna, Guru Krishna Prasadhe Pai Bhakti Lata Bija. The seed of devotional service is obtainable by the mercy of Guru, the spiritual master in Krishna, 
the Supreme Personality of Godhead. There's a lot there. So this is um, Bhagavad Gita. It's in chapter 7, verse 28, Raghunanda. Yesham Tantakatapapam Jananam, or is it 928? I get them confused. Chapter 9 and chapter 7 are similar in the Bhagavad Gita. Or maybe, uh, no, okay. Um, I'll check, Prabhu. Okay. So, anyway, so the, uh, um, so if one says you need to perform bhakti in order to get bhakti, in order to get bhakti, you need to perform bhakti. So it, it seems like a, um, uh, what's the word for that? What kind of argument? A circular argument, right? You know, what comes first, the chicken or the egg <laughs> kind of thing, right? Um, so how do you get bhakti to begin with? And I think probably everyone on this call has had the same experience. You get bhakti from a bhakta. Like if you listen to Wisdom of the Sages, you're getting the association of Koshtuba and Raghunan, uh, Raghunath, who are both bhaktas, devotees, right? Or for me, it was a gentleman named Bernie DeAngelis. In uh, I worked at a law firm after high, you know after school in high school, and he was a devotee, and he told me about Krishna, right? Or you know, some way or another, it's uh, uh, so that begin that that is that that. Chance, it may be chance opportunity to contact the devotee um, is the beginning of bhakti, right? So, and I think we all have that experience one way or another. Yeah, so that's, um, so that's how it starts, through the uh, kindness of a uh, devotee. I'm just checking my notes here. One second. Um, and and we sometimes call it, call it causeless mercy. But and then I was watching a, a reading a uh, transcription of Prabhupada's common uh, talks with some devotee. He said, "Yes, the cause of bhakti is causeless mercy. So the cause is causeless." <laughs> Thank you, Raghunandan. There's the. Uh, the verse and uh, yeah, I was right. Seven, I was right the first time. Seventh chapter. My uh, memory is not as good as it was when I was twenty-five. Persons who have acted piously in previous lives and in this life, whose sinful activities are completely eradicated through bhakti, are freed from the dualities of delusion, and they engage themselves in my service with determination. Hmm. Um. So it's by the mercy of a devotee. So here, you know, guru can be a, a general, uh, you know, devotee who um, introduces you to Krishna consciousness and also at the time of initiation and the guru is uh, a more um, formal relationship. Now, uh, let us read the next part with um, deference to anyone here who's vegan, uh, because we're gonna hear about milk. <laughs> but let's preface this. Uh, and I think maybe uh, maybe Jen, Jenny, who's um, in the, uh, the animal caring business, maybe she can confirm this. I, 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 I've talked to many people who've tended cows 
And, and we did actually, Jen, Jenny, we did confirm that you felt that, or you, at least you could understand how there would be a difference. Uh, a cow can, who's treated with love and, and, and will never be slaughtered. And one who's just a literally a cash cow, we just take their milk from them. And then when they no longer give milk, send them to the slaughterhouse, right? So I've been told many times that um, the quality and quantity of milk that you get from a cow who's, who's treated with love. And of course the calf is allowed to come and, and, uh, and, and get the calf can drink as all, you know, there's, in other words, there's a lot of milk left over after the calf has drank from the cow's udders like that. So I just want to, um, and I've also heard many times that the quality of the milk is, is uh, different for a cow that's been treated with love and affection. And, um, and anyone who's been to Gitanagri or any other farm run by devotees, uh, they can see how those who are caring for the cows uh, have such incredible, such a relationship. So here also we have two cows. Uh, they're not milking cows. Um, here in, in the suburbs of Washington, D.C., which is pretty cool to begin with. And there's a devotee named, uh, a very appropriate name. His name is Gopal. And I forget his wife's name. Do you know anyone, Raghunanda, you know his? I forget his wife's name right now. Um, slipped my his mind. Wife, his wife's name is Rui. Rui, that's right, Rui, yes. Yeah. Yeah, wonderful people. They come every day to take care of our two cows. And the cows go berserk when they see their car coming down the road, right? They are, you know, they, they are just so happy. They're, they're just so happy. And I know these are the best taken care. I, I don't think anyone could take care better because we have a, a uh, organic uh, market in the area called Moms. And they give us organic vegetables for the cows. So the cows aren't even just vegetables, they're eating organic vegetables <laughs> along with, you know, all the other things. So these cows, and they are taking care, right? Andy, aren't they? They're taking care with such affection by those. Oh, yeah. It's but, amazing. Uh, it's amazing. Yeah. 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 Me, if I go near the cows, they just look at me like, you know, hey, get, a, get a life, you know. <laughs> but when those two come. <laughs> It's incredible. So I want to read this part about milk, for, especially for those of us who are vegan, in that context about, you know, cows that are actually treated with love will never be um, slaughtered um, like that. So milk is compared to nectar, which can be, which one can drink to become immortal. Of course, simply drinking milk will not make one immortal, but it can increase the duration of one's life. In modern civilization, men do not think milk to be important, and therefore they do not live very long. Although in this age, men can live up to 100 years, their duration of life is reduced. And listen to this, because they don't drink large quantities of milk. One time, Prabhupada said milk is especially for old people and young children. <laughs> this is a sign of Kali Yuga. In Kali Yuga, instead of drinking milk, people prefer to slaughter an animal and eat its flesh. The Supreme Personality of God in his instructions of Bhagavad Gita advises go raksha, which means cow protection. The cow should be protected. Milk should be drawn from the cows and this milk should be prepared in various ways. One should take ample, ample milk and thus one can prolong one's life, develop his brain, execute devotional service and ultimately attain the favor of the Supreme Personality of God. 
as it is essential to get food grains and water by dig digging the earth, it is also essential to give protection to the cows and take nectarian milk from their milk bags. So, um, you know, vegans, they don't drink milk for various reasons. One is, is the um, huma humane aspect, right? Right, Shanaz, am I saying that right? Right, or right? a lot of, sometimes it's, and, and so, that's why I know many devotees who won't buy milk from a store, but they will get milk, even though it's $7 a half gallon. Is that right? I think it's seven. Uh, we get it from Gitanagri because it's, it's ahimsa milk, nonviolent milk, because the cows will never be slaughtered. Now, I know there's, you know, if you go on the internet, you can see, you go to web, because I, I did a little, you go to WebMD, they'll say, yeah, milk is great, it's wonderful. You go on to some vegan websites and they'll say, well, A1 milk may be okay, but A2, it, you know, so there's different, and I don't want to get into that, but in the traditional civilization, um, and especially in Krishna's time, 5,000 years ago, all kinds of amazing preparations were made uh, with milk. And of course, the cows were... They weren't even regular cows. They were sarabi cows. They were wish-fulfilling cows um, like that. But um, I do drink uh, milk from, um, from Ahim. So we get, two, uh, we get a gallon of milk once a, a week um, from Gitanagari. And even though it's just my wife and I, we, uh, we, well, we, we, we have devotees we give also to. They have a small child and things like that. Um, but... It, yeah. Any thoughts, comments, questions on either milk or uh, the other point that we were talking about, about having you have to practice bhakti yoga in previous births to get it now, or you get the good fortune by the kindness of a devotee? I think, you know, this Balabhadra, the Prabhu explained to me that in the olden days, the, um, the cows and the humans had a symbiotic relationship, actually, the cow herders. And if the, the human had some kind of illness, the cow could sense it, and the cow would go and eat specific herbs or plants that would help this person's illness when it came through in the milk. Wow. <laughs> now that's cool. <laughs> that is, thank you so much for that, Henry. Yeah, yeah, and uh, there was this very wonder, wonderful, wonderful, super saintly woman in Gitanagri, uh, Kolini uh, Devi. She she's she passed away, and she had such a loving relationship with all those cows. And uh, also now the devotees in charge there, Druva and his wife, they um, take such good care of the cows in Gitanagri. So. And soon, I'm sure, by the way, Jenny, the whole um, vaccine thing will be lifted because it's being lifted all over the country. So you should visit it when you can sometime. And take Matt along with you since you're both from New York. <laughs> I was just going to say I'll drive. All right, cool. Yeah, it's a beautiful Yay, thing. tell me when. I can't wait to meet these cows. <laughs> um, other questions or comments? Can I have a quick comment? Um, okay, just this once. <laughs> well, since there's some new people on the call, if you go through and just follow these things, eventually get these little nuggets. It seems like Prabhupada, I read one little thing, three words that just spoke to me like it was a great gift. Uh, in fact, it was in this purport. 
in the, like the paragraph before the part about the cows that we're looking at now. Okay. It said the people of this age are inclined towards industrial enterprises for comfort, comfortable living, but they refuse to endeavor to execute the devotional service. And that just made me feel so good because I don't know, I don't have a high opinion of my devotional service, but he said they're refusing to even endeavor, to even try. So if you negate that, he says, he just wishes you would endeavor, even endeavor to do it. And that made me feel so good about, you know, how I'm spending my time. At least I'm trying. <laughs> Thank you for that. Let's let's read that a little bit, The uh, that, that part of the purport. That's in the next paragraph, actually, uh, about halfway through. The so-called Vaishas, Vaisha means a person who takes care of business, takes care of animals, etc. The industrialists or businessmen are involved in big, big industrial enterprises, but they are not interested in food grains and milk. And Prabhupada would say, you can't eat nuts and bolts. <laughs> I love that saying, you can't eat nuts and bolts. So uh, yeah, let's continue. Um, in digging for water, even in the desert, we can produce food grains. When we produce food grains and vegetables, we can give protection to the cows. While giving protection to the cows, we can draw from them abundant quantities of milk. And by getting enough milk and combine it with food grains and vegetables, we can prepare hundreds of nectarian foods. We can happily eat this food and thus avoid industrial enterprises and joblessness. So as a person who spent 10 years in Detroit um, and lived like maybe like five blocks away from the, a, a Chrysler plant. Um, and it was just, yeah, you could really, and I, I remember every day. So when, you know, um, there, they had three, at that time they were producing a lot of cars. So they had three shifts, you know, three eight hour shifts. And literally, not figurative, literally you would see at the end of the shift, people running to the parking lot. They were like free at last. And Prabhupada once said, maybe this was about India, but probably it's true in other places as well. That, um, factory is another word for hell. So it's just such a, so, so I, when I read this, it just made me think about how far we've gotten from the principles of simple living and high thinking. So much so that even, you know, Prabhupada's instructions to us to live natural life and live off the land, it's been hard to figure out how to do that with the way the world is today. And, you know, you, you st uh, I, I remember, so uh, Henry and I have both visited many times our community called Sharnagati. It's in um, rural uh, Canada. Which, which uh, province? British Columbia. Columbia, yeah. Beautiful place. Um, and you can imagine the growing season there is not super long, right? Canada. <laughs> And then they would have root cellars, so they'd put their potatoes and things like that in the, you know, in this, and they would eat off of that, you know, and just, uh, but I remember that one of the devotees said, every time I start my car, I have to think five times, do I really need to do this? Because, you know, he just was really like, I can't believe what they, I think he was living in like less, less than a thousand dollars a year, something like that, you know, because he was just literally living off the land. You know, and there's no, when I was there, I think they have it now with solar panels, but they, there's no electricity on the farm. Right, Henry? 
Some people have some solar panels. They were just coming in in the late nineties or something. So, um, but there was a no, no, no electric grid whatsoever. Right. So I actually bought a plot of land there for about $600. It wasn't very expensive, uh, but never, uh, never ended up spending time there. So I, I think I gave it away or maybe sold, gave it back for, uh, to a really, really nice um, couple car. Cartamisha, yeah. Um, and now they're, I think they're, I think they're living there. Yeah. They are, they're living in Yamuna's house as a matter of fact. Oh, they're living there now. Okay. They cool. have five kids and they, all the boys look exactly like Car. Really? <laughs> cool. So, so yeah, we've gone really far from a natural lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And even in a lot of places in India, you know, in some ways India is worse because sometimes the, uh, the, um, pesticides that have been outlawed in america are sold to india the ones that are just that bad so um, there are some places like the Govardhan eco village and places like that um, but it's 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 sad how far we've gotten right and so many farms in america ma and pa farms had to sell themselves to sell their farms out to big ag and everything we've just gotten so far that it's actually something that was so natural for millennial now it's like you have to scratch your head how am i going to live simply you know it's like something that was just like the natural most natural thing in the world we can't like figure out how to do it <laughs> right it's really uh tricky but i know there's such a pleasure in growing your own you know even having a little vegetable garden in the summer it's, I, I think it's very satisfying. And although we, you know, we, we talk about how we want to take prasadam, we want to offer all of our food to Krishna. So one great uh, guru uh, who lived about 450 years ago, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, is that right? Raghunanda, about 450 years ago. So he said, he would say like the best kind of prasadam is you take the seed and you sow it in the ground with bhakti then you water it with bhakti and then you if you have to weed the garden you weed it with bhakti and then you harvest it with bhakti then you then you transfer it to the kitchen with bhakti then you cut it up with bhakti you cook it with bhakti you offer it to krishna with bhakti and then you eat it with bhakti and he said that is the best kind of prasadam so uh yeah dana loves that yeah it's very it's a very sweet uh thought other questions comments you quote everything with bhakti yeah everything with bhakti yeah that's right <laughs> even uh loki subject even loki and <laughs> <laughs> Ananda Rupa, if you ever cook Loki, I'll eat your Loki because I know you cook it with a lot of bhakti. And share it with devotees with bhakti. Ah, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. You, that's one thing I forgot. Uh, you serve it with bhakti. You know, that's why when I, um, in the temple in Vrindavan, we'd have these uh, huge feasts with thousands of people. And I knew sometimes, uh, especially if they were younger devotees when they were serving it they would be a little in the back of their mind even though they were trying to control their mind to say i hope there's enough left for me right 
you know, because it looks really wonderful. So what I used to do is I would actually have them make a plate and set it aside for themselves with prasadam on it before they served so that there was no anxiety. They knew that it was there and they could peacefully serve it with bhakti. Now, if someone was more advanced in bhakti, then they, they just wouldn't, they wouldn't cross their mind. And if, if there was a few crumbs left at the end, that's fine. And if there's a huge feast left at the end, that's fine. But, you know, I could sense with these devotees better to make their mind peaceful. Like that. <laughs> All right, let's see. Should we have seven more minutes? Let me try to do one more verse. So I think it's the next verse, if I got it right, 13. Elephants afflicted by a forest fire become very happy when they get water from the Ganges. Similarly, O oh my Lord, from whose navel grows a lotus flower, since you have now appeared before us, we have become transcendentally happy. By seeing your Lordship, whom we have desired to see for a very long time, we have achieved our ultimate goal in life. And so this is that point that I made earlier. The devotees of the Lord purport are not are, are always very eager to see the Supreme Lord face to face, but there's an important but they do not demand that the Lord come before them. For a pure devotee considers such a demand to be contrary to devotional service. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu teaches this lesson in his Shikshastika. The Shikshastika are the eight verses that Lord Chaitanya wrote. He's an incarnation of Krishna, but he only taught eight verses. Adarshanam marmahatam korotuva. The devotee is always eager to see the Lord face to face. But if he uh, is brokenhearted because he cannot see the Lord, even life after life, he will never command the Lord to appear. That is, this is a sign of pure devotion. Therefore, in this verse, we find the word atichira ipsita artam, meaning that the devotee aspires for a long long time to see the Lord. If the Lord by his own pleasure appears before the devotee, the devotee feels extremely happy as Dhruva Maharaj felt when he personally saw the Supreme Personality of God. So uh, it's just that I, I, I found that purport to be a window into the mood of pure bhakti, right? You don't think, well, I've been, I chanted on my beads and I offered all my food Where's my bliss? Give it up. Give it up, Krishna. You know, that's not the mood of being a servant. Right? So this, this verse is showing us what it really means to be a servant of God in, in, in purity. That, that we only, we're so absorbed in that loving relationship and in, and in trying to please that we're just not caught up. And well, you know, uh, my own bliss. And what's so interesting is the uh, inverse proportionality of when you don't ever endeavor for your own happiness, you only endeavor for others and for Krishna's, you become happy. And when you're really fixed on your own happiness, and this is going to be the best vacation I ever went on and this and that. And it seems like it's that thing that just always is, you know, just out of our reach. It, 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 the inverse proportionality is quite striking like that. So here we're seeing what, yeah, of course I want to see you, Krishna. 
Um, but it's up to you. You know, even George George Harrison's song, um, I think it's still in this mood, although you could take it, there's that song, How I Miss You, Krishna said, don't let me wait too long, right? Um, but, you know, he's still leaving it up to Krishna. I want to see you. But it's up to you. Actually, he had, he, he, George got pure bhakti. He understood it quite well. And who knows what good fortune he uh, accumulated by um, his relationship with Prabhupada and how many people he introduced to Krishna, millions. I, I think I told you when, when he came to Vrindavan and uh, I saw him there, there was like a line of devotees just wanting to say, thank you, thank you. You know, I, I got interested in Krishna because of you. I, 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 me also to some extent, but I didn't approach him. I thought so many people, he's the kind of person who gets approached all the time, so I let him be, but, it, you know, very nice, very humble person. Tell us about George and Vrindavan. Where did he stay? He stayed at Prithu's ashram, uh, Prabhupadvani ashram. And he was with Mukunda Maharaj, who was his close friend, and Shamasundar, his other close friend. And one time, so we, it, was a, it was some festival, I don't know which one it was, and so we were having a big feast. And instead of sitting down to eat the feast, he serenaded the devotees. He led a kirtan while everyone was eating with uh, Shamasundar and Mukunda Maharaj and Prithu. That's a beautiful anecdote. Thank you so much. Yeah, he led a kirtan. Yeah, he's a real deal. Okay, so we got up to 13. So that means next week we'll start with 14, 28, and 31, which were the verses for this chapter. And I'll email um, anything else. If anyone else wants to join the email, see the emails that I send out about this, just let me know. Um, and yeah, this was a nice, nice, a lot of nice points came up today in this uh, part of the Bhagavatam, isn't it? Yeah, and so thank you all so much for uh, being here and sharing uh, Krishna consciousness with all of us. And uh, we will see you soon. And tomorrow, it, actually, I saw that somewhere. I saw that we fast until noon on Nityananda Trader. Did anyone confirm that? I thought it was until moonrise. Yeah, it was until noon. Noon. Okay. So if you if you can, if if it's uh, if you wish to. Um, we, go, we will fast until noon. And then if you can, make something really nice to offer to Krishna. That's even cooler. <laughs> um, and if you're near a temple, then a temple will have a, uh, a program, usually in the evening. Generally, that's when ours is here in D.C. We'll start at um, 6.30. Yeah, and I'll give a short talk. Literally, like 10-minute talk. Uh, like that. And also, for if anyone's interested at the temple today, we have a very special speaker. Um, well, they're all special. But uh, Gauravani, the kirtan singer um, and son of Rukmini, the famous uh, woman of, uh, was it Urban Devi uh, history? So uh, he will be speaking at one o'clock and it's going to be broadcast on YouTube and um, it's actually, they said that it's going to be on Facebook Live and there's a special Zoom link they've just set up for the can Sunday you, talks can, now. Can you copy and paste it right now in case anyone's interested, Henry? 
I'm going to test your. It might be your... beyond my technical abilities, you know. Um... No, you can. Thank you, Matt, for joining. Really, really appreciate it. And please know that you can come uh, anytime. Um, also, I don't know if you've studied the Bhagavad I don't know your interest level, but uh, we do have a uh, half hour little like overview of the Gita on Fridays at six on the same link. Right, Jenny? So we, we will wait for Henry's. Uh... I don't think I can do it. You know, it's not I don't it's just a live link on the email that came out from the temple. And um, I don't even I can't even find oh, it. Oh, OK. Hold on. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Or so, if there's a website that I can go to 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 see it, to like find it. I mean, go to ISCON of DC. Uh, I think it's .org. .org, yeah. And it should be on there uh, somewhere. See. I let's, don't know where. Let's yeah. see. Let's look. I don't know where. Join us on Sunday. But, the, you know, uh, because this is the first time we've done this, I'm not sure it's going to be uh, there. Yeah. If you all don't mind, we'll wait one minute. I'll we'll probably think we'll probably make. I think I looked for it before and I didn't see it there. So let me talk to Amy. Yeah, talk to Amy. That's one way. No, no, tell her to get it done. She'll get it done. Yeah. Uh, let me see if I can just find it real quick. This week it is kind of DC. Um, Zoom link, click on that. Okay, uh, I found it. So I think I have to get rid of the success. I think this will do it, I'm pretty sure. I'll also get the Facebook link. So I'm putting it in the chat. If I can find the chat. Oh, chat. Okay. Hopefully that would work. And let me just see if I can find the Facebook Live. Oh, well, that's pretty easy. And this is at one o'clock. Okay, if anyone's interested. I'll give you a second before I close everything out um, to copy and paste that. Oh, and there's a Zoom now. Yeah, that's right. So Henry also put just the Zoom numbers, which may also work. Goravani is a very, um, yeah, he's he's cool. He's, <laughs> he's a great, great singer, my gosh. <laughs> thank yeah. you. Yes, well, thank you all. Hare Krishna. Thanks, Hare Krishna. Thank you so much.